Cheers. Right. Cheers. That, I, <laughs> you could fit half a glass, a half a bottle of wine into that glass, Andy. I think so as well. And you seem to have been, you've got like a fancy goblet there, Kane. Uh, oh, by the way, I'm, I'm yeah, Andy. And I'm Kane. Welcome to Diplomacy Games, the podcast. It's like a, um, uh, yeah, sorry, a podcast about all things diplomacy. You'd be forgiven for thinking it was about a drinking podcast, but. That's right, we seem um, to spend most of the, the first minutes talking about the alcohol. <laughs> uh, I, I kind of view this as a, um, like there's, there's a, it's like a port tumbler that's oversized. It's an oversized port tumbler. I thought kind of like a brandy snifter type of thing. Yeah, but it's oversized. Like yes, it's yes, yes, yes. Three times the size. But it's not, I'm, I'm drinking three bulk. Pale it's ale. It's a pale ale. Yep. It's not bad. It's, um, it's crisp. Crisp? It's kind of like the weather. Crisp. Yes, it is very crisp. Um, so, for, for Brisbane, actually, I, I find it interesting the way you're dressed. You're kind of just like, you know, it's a nice little, slightly, only slightly cool winter's day. And, and like, I'm... You've got a trench I'm coat on, trench and <laughs> multiple layers. Tie to keep my neck warm. <laughs> yeah, you have a Brisbane eye for sure. Yes, I don't well, think I've seen you with a tie. No, not very often. No, no, <laughs> no, no the weather doesn't lend itself. No, not usually. No, it's usually, it's like, <laughs> anyway. Um, Yes, but it's very cold here at the moment compared like at a maximum temperature of like 10 degrees Celsius. Yeah. Which for all of our friends in the northern hemisphere during the middle of winter, you would be absolutely you'd be laughing at laughing us. Laughing your socks off. Um, um, you'd be um, you'd be sunbathing in this weather, I'd imagine. Well, I in know, Europe, I, in North yep, America. Yep. In um, in Hyde Park in London, they'd be taking their t-shirts off and getting out the deck chairs to to, to enjoy this. Yeah. And it's only a slight drizzle. I mean, it's not pouring rain, so you know, sunny day in England, I would imagine. Um, yeah, yeah. But we're at a pretty fancy bar, I'd say. And ten degrees Celsius is fifty degrees Fahrenheit for our American friends. Fifty. Okay. I never got the conversion down in my head. No. There's. Is there? A, a, is there had, a thing? I had a conversation with. Sorry, Gopher had a conversation with me yeah. around metric systems and things because he was making fun of Australians with our metric system as he tends to do and he said it doesn't make any sense because you know the, the Celsius system is based on you have a, a, a point of time where at zero degrees water freezes yeah but there's no context below that or above that for really how hot or cold it is well there is like a hundred degrees is when water boils oh yeah I mean, two logical states of matter. <laughs> Whoops, maybe I should maybe I should have been paying attention to that science class at school. <laughs> uh, um, but his, his rationale for Fahrenheit was like, is based around, did you know that, well, okay, this is, this is go, for, go for logic about what the... Uh, uh, yeah, go on. So I think zero, and go for, if you're listening and I've got this totally wrong, just I'm sure you'll let me know. Um, I think he, what he described was, was based around it, zero degrees Fahrenheit is kind of like as cold as people would get before they die, and 100 degrees Fahrenheit is as hot as they get before they die. Yeah, but that would be different for different people. Well, yes, I know, but you try having a conversation and an argument with Gaffer around that. Well, it makes logical sense to go to Kelvin if you're going for logical temperature gradients. That's Fahrenheit, isn't it? Kelvin. What's that one? Kelvin. I've got things totally wrong again. 
No, no, Kelvin zero is absolute zero. Right. Oh, right. Yes. And it just goes up by centigrade degrees from there. I never really understood how it could be just absolute zero and it can't get colder. It's just can't get colder. It's like yeah, zero. Yeah. 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 What would I know? Anyway, so as an opening, how is your three bolt? As an opening, I think um, it's, it's a well-suited opening to the circumstances. So I would think that this opening for me would be as a German player and I've moved to Burgundy from Munich, invited by France, and France didn't actually bounce me in Burgundy, yep. and England slipped into the English Channel. So it, it, it's a kind of a, a well-suited opening uh, that was not as expected as I was, not better than I was expecting. Okay. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that, that's mine. How's your wine? Um, my wine is, is very interesting. So I think the, uh, the wine I ordered was a Alino Ramble Vinolet Shiraz from the McLaren Vale. Never heard of the, the label before, but um, I'll use your analogy. This is kind of, again, playing as Germany with all those moves you just said, because you've got, there's a certain sweetness and vibrance in the glass, which is all the good things. Yep. But then there's this bitter aftertaste from the tannins, which is like you've just realized, oh fuck, Russia moved Warsaw to Silesia. What was Bugger. that all about? <laughs> <Bugger>. <laughs> yeah. So, so went every, everything went well, but there's a... There's this slight bitterness that I didn't expect because Russia never told me about that. Ah. Mm. Actually, had some friends over on the weekend, and the weekend was pretty cold. And we thought, oh, we'll try something different. So we... Um, probably not really much of a drink up here, but we definitely drank a lot of it down in Tasmania. So, I wonder what you're going to say. Keep going. So we uh, we bought some um, aniseed and oh, that um, some I cinnamon say. sticks no, that's and what I thought you were some say. honey and um, made ourselves some mulled wine. Oh, very nice. Very nice. So we uh, cooked it slowly in a crock pot and dished it out by ladle. It's uh, quite a nice warming drink. Yeah, yeah. Warming alcoholic drink. The trick is to do it slowly. You can't, if you heat it up too fast, you fuck the alcohol. Yeah, you burn it off too quickly. You cook it up nice and slow and let the let the spices permeate. You get a lovely um, it's a lovely cold weather drink. What did you think I was gonna say? I thought you were gonna say meat. Mm. Yeah. Haven't had meat in a while. I do miss meat. I'm sure meat misses you too. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, so um, for today's show, we're going to do things just a little bit different. Yes. We're going to have a bit of a conversation first around some stuff going on over at WebDip. Yep. Um, because our plan is to finish our drinks over that conversation. We'll then throw to our interview. We'll do an intro to the interview. Yep. And then hopefully you'll listen to the interview. And when you come back from the interview, we'll be in a different location. Sounds good to me. We are at, currently at the Charles, which is a bar which is actually like the the hotel bar of the Western here in Brisbane. Mm. It's um, pretty fancy-spancy. It is fancy-spancy. Very um, modern chairs, arty chairs on the inside. 
But we're sitting on the outside because the chairs look just a bit more comfortable than standard. Yes. Yep. Because we're old too. Um, and the next venue I hope is opening at five o'clock, so we'll just go there. And it's it's more like a downstairs basement type of vibe, so I think it'll be nice and warming in here. Yep. Anyway, so you shared with me a link today around. I webbed it. Did, and I got it from Andrew Goff, um, who. Well, let me just. I, better... I never thought that Goffy was an online type of. Player, apart from you know the backstabber arrangement when you're playing and hosting tournaments. Yeah, no, 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 no. He um, oh, I don't need that. I want this one. Um, so there's a speed press tournament currently being run on the Nexus Diplomacy Discord mm -hmm. server, and they're using the um, a new engine which has been created at Web Diplomacy. Oh, oh, that's interesting. Absolutely. What are you talking about? So I jumped onto Web Diplomacy and it just looked like a bog standard, nothing had actually changed yeah, on, on, on the website. Oh like yeah, the, the, the map's a little bit kind of got a little bit more colours in it. Oh no, bottom. sorry, I opened up the wrong one there. Um, oh, you think? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so normal web I went to normal web diplomacy yes. dot net. Yep. And it just gave me a, you know, just as, as I would see it normally. Yeah, and you thought, what's Goffy going on about? What the hell's he going on about? And, but then I saw a link in the forum about um, play.webdiplomacy.net. I thought, hang on, that might be what Goffy's talking about. Could be. Right, so... Essentially, Kestis has been mucking around with creating a new user interface uh, for Web Diplomacy, which long story short is an interactive map but what he's done is he's made it so that you just open up a link and you can play a game against the bots interactive map and everything and you don't even need and you an don't account. even need an account to do oh. it so what a great way to learn or to kill some time to you know you're sitting on i had a game on the train on the way in yeah just you know oh, i'll figure this out have a play yeah open up play uh, playwebdiplomacy.net and um yeah i'm straight into a game two seconds no registration or anything so um i don't know i sent you the link yeah. to it did you have a look yourself i did i did i kind of um i took a sneaky sneaky look and um i thought this was really really cool not only is the interface quite nice and visually appealing um just the that because on a, on a on a on a device like a phone or whatever you can just click the locations. You don't have to worry. You know, so you click on like I, I started a game as Vienna, and sorry, as Austria. So I click on Vienna, and that pops these little uh, orders: hold, support, move. So that's easy enough for me as uh, somebody who obviously knows the game. Going, okay, well, I'm going to um, uh, I'm going to support um, Tyrolia. Actually, no, I'm just going to support Tyrolia. No, Trieste. Okay. That's cool. So double-clicked on the double-clicked on Trieste province to hold yep. it. And that's yep. it. That, that worked. That's it. Maybe I'm going to do uh, Adriatic. Oh, I know what I should actually do. This one. Mm. Mm. What do you reckon? So it defaults to a three-hour, uh, three-day phase. Yep. Um, and it gives you a random country starting position. So you've had you've played a few rounds on that game. Yes. So I'm actually going to change my move. I'm going to move Vienna to Tyrolia to cut support. Oh, what? No, this bot's going to be smart. Oh, yucky. I'll do Trieste. 
via Venice. Adriatic is going to support Prius to Venice. Click, click, click. Serbia will go to Trieste just because, you know, he might do a double thingy against me, you know, two against two. Could be like Tyrolia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, that. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I then mean, it's got like down the bottom, it's got save and it's kind of flashing, like a nice little, but, but, notice, but, yeah. but it's a very subtle flash. It's kind of like got a. It's not a green, oh, yeah. red, yeah, yeah, bright yeah, yeah. fluoro. So, I can save. Yep. It saves. I can then ready up my orders. And then quickly re refreshes, and this says view, uh, beginning new phase, spring retreats. Oh, it happened automatically. Okay, new orders for spring. So I like being able to see the orders. I'm just, I'm just wondering what the thinking was, why you have to press a button to see the result, the order adjudication, as opposed to moving to the next. See, it wants to default to moving to the next turn yep. without showing you the adjudication process. I'm just wondering what the thinking process is behind that. I don't know. And I was right because I needed to move Serbia to Trieste to cut the support and that'll work well. So um, Trieste is now in Venice. It's giving you a flashing notification to move to the next season. Is it? Where? At the top. Oh yeah, the little green button up there. Yep. And the other thing I like about this, which is going to sound really, really bizarre. I love like the spring. It's just got like picture of a, a flower. flower flower 902 when you go to fall it's like a maple leaf type of thing and then for the winter builds it's like a snowflake what about um what about the summer retreats what are they well what do you mean a summer retreat what's a summer retreat well you've got your spring turn yeah if you're dislodged in spring then it's a summer Oh, well that's, I don't think it differentiates. Oh. I don't think, let's find out. If I click on that. Oh no, here's the adjudication. It shows the retreat. So it's still a spring with the little flower. Okay, yep. Uh, Venice moved to Tyrolia in the retreat. Now we're on to fall. It's as easy as that. Mm. Actually, one of the things I, when I was playing around with it, one of the things I noticed was that um, you have to indicate okay so so I had I had a I had a I was playing as Turkey and I had a fleet in Ankara and a fleet in Armenia right yep and I wanted the fleet in Ankara to support Armenia into the Black Sea <laughs> I'm so, oh no, fleet, I, fleet in Armenia yeah 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 how'd you yeah. get a fleet in Armenia I snuck it around what by a back yeah day? so instead of what yeah, do you so, mean? So, oh, you just moved from Ankara to Armenia? Yeah. And then okay. I moved Armenia into Sevastopol and I took Sevastopol in autumn 1901. Okay, gotcha. Right? The pop wasn't expected. Well, no, anyway, because not many people move a fleet to Armenia. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, I got Sevastopol. Okay. Long story short, built in Ankara, I wanted Ankara to support Armenia into the Black Sea. Right? So, I ordered, so if you're familiar with the map interactive map of V diplomacy right you go okay I want Ankara to support Armenia into the Black Sea yes and then it'll automatically go you must also want Armenia to move to the Black Sea and enter that order right but this this interface doesn't you actually have to order your second unit to do that move gotcha right does that make sense yes 
So, I mean, in, um, I'll use an example within Backstabber. So if you had exactly that same move and you just ordered the support order move, it automatically makes the move for the unit that's moving. Yes. Yeah. Yep. But this one obviously doesn't. No. So like for instance, starting as Warsaw, I want to support Moscow into Ukraine. It Moscow just, yeah. doesn't actually move to Ukraine until I order Moscow to move ah, okay. to Ukraine. Actually, did you notice that the line got thicker slightly? Yeah, it was grey line. Yeah. Yep. Oh, it was great, not thicker. Okay, cool. But yeah, okay, so... Um, looks fantastic. You know, yeah, how how long has it been that we've always been going, when's WebDiv going to have a you know, point-and-click interactive? Well, I can't remember if we caught it on... Last time we caught it on... on last time we, if we caught it on record, but I definitely remember having that discussion with Kestis around when the hell is web diplomacy going to catch up with the times and get an interactive map. Um, and looks like it's, it's happening. Did you see there's also some other things you can do with this? No, show me more. If you, if you hit these little, like these little arrows, yeah. right, you can get a, like, like oh. an info screen on, on, on things. Um, you know, there's, there's press. There's no, obviously no press because it's bots, yep. but it shows the history order. Um, shows you your game, so there's an interface happening there. And the home takes you back home, obviously. As it does. As it does. So, yeah. I mean, what would be interesting here is, I mean, obviously this has been organised for the, the bot stuff and to get people into the game. Um, but whether that point-and-click interface and everything is going to become presumably the probably the next step for your normal engagement with, with people when you're playing against real people in, in WebDip. Oh, so the map's going to replace, like... Yeah. I think you'll probably end up as a hybrid, don't you think? Like, there'll always be drop-down boxes for people who prefer that map method. I don't well, that's know. the way it works at the moment in VDIP. You get to choose which one. Actually, that's a question. So, seeing VDIP's code is from WebDIP, why does VDIP have interactive stuff but WebDIP hasn't historically? Uh, what's or it? Just Toby a, that coded Toby it? Toby just forked it. Yeah. No, someone, someone made it. Okay. Someone, I think it was Toby. It could have been Ollie. No, it wasn't or Ollie. Was Ollie. No, 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 no. Someone made it and then gave it to Ollie to install it, essentially. And he put it on as a, a kind of a module. Okay. Um, the person who's made it is probably tearing his hair out if it wasn't Toby. <laughs> and I'm, shit, I'm so sorry. But, um... Wasn't a tin can, no. It might have been a tin can. It was one of those ones. Anyway, it's quite a it few was years ago. Was sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, could well have been a tin can. I, I sorry, I, I honestly can't remember. Sorry, right, whoever right. it is. Um, I didn't use the interactive map for years, for a good couple of years. Um, I think I know this is going to go. Keep going. Because. I was doing the orders back to front. I, like, it's yes, just, yes. Uh, but once I got the hang of it, I can't imagine playing a game without interactive orders. Like I just started a game, 1066, in the middle of that, and there's, there's not really a huge amount of territories to choose from, and I just default to using the interactive map to make orders. It makes, yep. a, makes things go so easy. Yeah. Yeah, look, I think when um, 
I first started using the interactive mapping device, I did exactly the same thing. Like you end up supporting a enemy unit against your own unit because you're trying yeah. to actually <laughs> do it the other way around. Yeah. Um, and I've actually had because you know, for example, backstabber, the backstabber or play play dip, I think actually does it totally different, which is the way you just described like the newbie way of doing it and fucking it up. Yeah, it's yeah, actually yeah. the default way over there, so it's the exact opposite. Oh god. Um, but. Yes, but I noticed the web diplomacy does it the way the V diplomacy does it. Nice work. Select what territory you want yeah. and where you want to move it to, as opposed to where you want something moved to yeah. and then select where it's from. That's right. That's yeah. that's more logical. Totally good. Um, and and the only other thing I think that would be really useful, and we obviously spoke to um, to Kestis around this last time around, is because that's now such a easy interface and experience for somebody who has never played diplomacy or maybe. Played it years ago and I can't really remember. Yep. And they're going, oh, should I get back into this game? It's it, the, the barrier to joining is so low that I think that there's probably the only my only concern is there's a risk there that people will come in, get absolutely demolished by the bots. Yeah. By you know nine hundred yes, two. Yes, yes. And then go, oh, fuck, this is not much fun. Yeah. As opposed to what we talked to him about, which is Making how you dumb it down a little bit difficulty levels for the bots. Yeah, you choose how yeah. hard you and want I'm, the bots to be. I'm honestly not sure how that's tracking. Um, Kester's got really interested in that question too, didn't he? Was, uh, he said, never thought of that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Makes sense. It does make a lot of sense. Um, and I'd love to have an option. Okay, we're back in business. Oh, we're back. Sorry about that, folks. Batteries oh, died. <laughs> Yes, um, uh, it's, it's my high-tech <laughs> skills of making sure I actually kind of check that the batteries are um, fully charged. Well, what was I saying, though? I was talking about, yeah, it'd be great to get an option to have two people in a bots game or three people against the bots. Yeah, like what we do. Yeah, like what, yeah. yeah. But we still have to probably organise that through the bots. Yes, yes. Yep. I'll have to work on that. Later. Anyway, so um, now that we've replaced the batteries and... Um, you're, you're still going a little bit drink wise. Oh, that, that, that's, that, that's, a, that's a mouthful. That's a mouthful. Go that's cool. Yep. So we talked to Jor Joran from Duplicity. So uh, we had previously had uh, Martin on the show before talking around the, um, the app itself and what he can do in it. Um, as as um, Joran kind of reminded me when I said, oh, can you send me through some of the um, pictures of the, you know, the, some of the maps, maps we're going yeah. to talk about today? because uh, I don't kind of, I have an iPhone and, and this is normally for Android. He said, well, you, you can get this working on an iPhone. It's like you can get it working on a computer. You can just use the, the web interface. Browser. Yeah. The browser interface. So um, thank you for that. Thank you for that, Joran. But um, yeah, so Joran is, I suppose, a map maker uh, extraordinaire would be the way I would call it. The, um, the cartographer, the in-house cartographer of Duplicity? Yes, yes. Yeah. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. And look, um, I remember the very first time that you and I had a conversation where I think you may have discovered Duplicity. Because the maps are gorgeous. And it was over, we, I remember we were drinking at the King George pub. King George pub? Must have been. There it was. No, the Royal George over in the valley. Right, yes. And you were showing me this, and I was just like, like drooling at you know, what these maps looked like. So. The fun part about today is obviously you're listening to a podcast and we're going to be talking about a visual medium. Yes. So um, as we kind of throw to it, 
make sure you check our, our show notes and look at if it's a show because basically what we'll do is we'll put the pictures of, of the maps into the show notes yep. if it doesn't show up on your on your um, device iPhone Android or whatever like that when you're listening to it because of whatever reason I can't code it properly you can always go over to you know our actual website go to the show notes it'll actually be there in, in there or alternatively, you can always go to Duplicity and um, have a look there. Check them out first hand. But shall we throw to the interview? Um, yes, talk about shall we? First? No, no, let's jump straight into it. And, and don't forget, when we come back, we'll be in the other bar, hopefully. Sounds good. Okay, okay. guys, enjoy. Joran, thank you so much for joining us on the Diplomacy Games podcast. Great to have you here. Yeah, thank you for uh, hosting me. Super nice to meet you. It's been a long, long time coming. I think. I think there's been a couple of times we've tried to stage this podcast, and even, uh, even just uh, today, we had some um, um, monkey wrenches thrown into the process with my son having to go to hospital. Uh, but hey, we're all here now, and, and everybody's well, which is which is the main thing. Um, look, what your contribution is is probably best known for, and, and some people probably don't even know about this is your map creating talents let's just call it that way uh particularly within the the duplicity app which is normally an android app and i know you can kind of hop online and also play it via a web browser for uh, windows based devices i think we had um martin brisset on on our show who kind of created the app oh quite a few episodes back we'll kind of create a link to that in the show notes but um the one thing that 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 both Kana and I, whenever we when we when we first discovered Duplicity and we first started seeing these maps coming across, which obviously your very talented fingers are all over, we were both blown away with the, um, I suppose the um, the aesthetic beauty of these maps. They're the type of thing which. Um, dare I say, is bordering on artwork, if to be perfectly frank. Um, and that's oh, coming thank from, you so much. So that's coming from someone who <laughs> is, uh, has made maps in the past but have had no chance whatsoever to get anything as um, interesting and as um, visually appealing and engaging as what you've done. Um, how did you kind of get into to maps originally? Did you kind of grow up as a child, kind of going through atlases and were intrigued? I'd just love to know what, what your story is and how you got involved in maps. No, not at all. I'm not involved in maps at all. Um, I am. So it, it, it goes from a different point of view. So I, I uh, like I said before, and I'll m- uh, mention in our pre-talk, is I do not de- play the pl- the, the diplomacy. I've played, uh, I think, a total of six games in my life. Um, but I, I, I just love the theoretical um, uh, game of diplomacy. And I've played it with friends of mine in uh, Holland, where I live here. And to get my friends... Uh, engaged because it's quite a time investment we would do it at someone's home and we would actually all dress up in suit in cocktail dress we had a whole table in the <laughs> living room with like the the the, the united nations and um, we really made it uh, all about uh, ab- about about that and after that i wanted to keep playing it and i just loved this particular type of map that was uh i, th- I think it was even based on the original um and I would, in Photoshop, update the map manually each time and send it out to everyone through email um, because there was not really a good way to play it. And then I found uh, Droidippy at the time, 
which was uh, uh, the work from Martin Bruse. And it was an amazing app, but the experience was just terrible. So I, uh, I think at that point, I didn't really play it until I went to China. And I lived in China for about uh, seven years. And there I would play some diplomacy with my friends from Holland because it's a game that we could play asynchronously. So with time difference, we could still be in contact, chat, and it would be a lot of fun. Um, but the interface was still not so good. So I mentioned it to Martin and I said, hey, I love your app, but I think it uh, it could be better from a UX perspective. And he he was like, well, it's my hobby project, so you're very welcome to help. And I didn't, I wasn't good enough at coding to 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 do anything, so it was a shame. And only when we when Corona hit, I get back to it, and uh, I work in the IT industry in user experience. So then I again contacted him, and he said, "Well, now you can help me." And I said, "Hey, I can actually do it." So I started making this as a sort of pet project, and um, the maps are so important to me because I think. Like I said, I think diplomacy is a beautiful role-playing game. It's 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 really makes you feel that you're observing this 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 map, and I think that the the map that make that's your main point of inter interface of, of reference. So I think making this really beautiful old-style map that makes you feel uh, that you're you're actually looking at some paper. I think that makes the game much 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 more interesting than just watching a computer screen, even though that's what we're doing. Absolutely. Um, look, one thing actually, you're on. Oh, this is. I'll um, just sp stop the interview for a moment. I think uh, sure. Kane is having some problems. Kane, are you still there, or do I need to kind of <laughs> add you back in? Because I've just got a text message from him saying he's having problems. No, no, I'm, 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 I'm back on. Sorry, I for some reason I dropped off the call, so I, I'm, I'm, I'm back. I missed a bit. I missed a little bit there, Joran, But um, no worries. No, no, I, I absolutely agree with what you're saying about the maps being like a window into the role play. Um, and your maps do that really, really well. There's a, there's a, uh, there's a texture to them um, that, 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 that makes me feel like I'm actually looking at a real map. Well, then, 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 then it's successful. <laughs> That's what I try to do. And actually, um, I, I also think that, um, so, there are there are much better maps than mine out there, and actually the classical map that is that I made as first one, it's it's not designed by me. It's actually designed by this Reddit user um, who made a map in sort I of this style. No, the uh, one I think it's we, we've actually uh, Kane has got a physical printed on canvas version. Wow, of it. it's something is it something bears Kane? Yes, yes. Uh, yeah, I, I printed this one off at a meter meter square um, because it's just such a beautiful. Um, one, but you, you've changed it somewhat. The, um, the, the, the the borders seem very similar, but the um, what 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 have you changed from from the Reddit post? So there, so, so so that's uh, I've also joined some of the Discord channels about map variant makers, where there's some some artists who are making really beautiful maps. But the issue, and I won't bore you with the technical details so much, uh, but the issue for making it for a web interface is that um, there is something called vector graphics. So a vector graphic is, uh, if you're not aware, you have two types of making a picture. So one is where you save the pixel information. So for every dot, there is a coloring uh, uh, um, uh, of that 
that little dot and that makes the map. But because this is a web program that needs to deal with it, it needs to sort of draw the, um, the each territory as a sort of line and then make a calculation about what that line is. So I won't go deep into the technical part there, but uh, there's some limitation because of the way that the uh, map is being drawn by the program. So it goes into some code and it says, okay, let's say Berlin is now belongs to Germany. Then I need to find that layer of Berlin and programmatically change that into the color of Berlin. And that means that there are certain things I cannot do uh, or they become so terribly difficult that it's sort of like taking that map from trampoline beers i think his name is and actually making that into something that the uh, um that the uh, uh program can done and I've, I've asked him permission to use the map and he willfully gave it he said he wanted it to be mentioned so he's in the documentation and uh, here but when i had this first map which actually works in this coding way then i started taking this as a sort of duplicity style and uh, applying it to other uh, maps as well and trying to make them into a similar style. So um, when you kind of talked about all that uh, element of how the maps actually work at a code base level, without kind of geeking out too much, just for your background, you're and both myself and Kana have actually created variants and maps ourselves over on V-Diplomacy. So we're actually quite familiar with what you're saying with how the code interfaces with the way that you actually designate territories. Um, although probably... To be perfectly honest, 99% of our audience would have no idea. They just love going on to something and clicking and being able to kind of, you know, play a great game of diplomacy. Um, so over you, you look, a couple of things just spring to mind. One, you, you wanted to kind of set this as as almost like the um, uh, the default style within Duplicity. Um, and, and you talked a little bit about your conversations with Martin, obviously, as this is a bit of a side project. What was what what, what do you recall was his um, his view when he started seeing the quality of the maps coming through from you. So it, it was uh, there were there were we were doing two things at the same time because I didn't just do the maps. I also did the interface uh, for the web application together with him. And I don't know how to code, so he taught me, and it's terrible. And actually, another one of our developers, John Pooch, he's now redoing the whole application to make it ready to be released on iOS. But also that it's slow going when there's time. Um, but he was just super happy that someone actually took a look at uh, the, the, the aesthetics of the application, so to say. Um, so he was super happy. And I remember the day of release when we saw some of the chats, because the chats become public after, um, that people were just like, oh, my God, we just logged in. What the hell is going on? This is so amazingly pretty. And that was a really good feeling. Now it goes a little bit slower because we... I don't release maps so often, and I, there's quite some in the original style, which is sort of made by a generator uh, that automatically makes those maps. So I can make a new map on Duplicity probably in like one evening, but it will look quite bad. Uh, to make a nice one, it will take me to 30 to 40 hours to really make it make it make it nice and that's why the release goes so slow but also by i'm um, like there's 1908 and there's uh 1939 there's many other variants that are basically just a european map with slightly different borders and that doesn't interest me but if you look at the cold war map or ancient math or sengoku um then it becomes interesting because then you can make some new identity in that map in like the cold war map i used uh, these declassified maps from the from the military uh, uh, in the 50s and I used that as a as a starting point to to make 
like something similar to that style and that's where it gets interesting to say okay how can we look at the real maps from that time to give that sort of idea back into the map i love how you brought up the cold war map because i was going to discuss it as well um so, so the thing about this, this literally feels like to me that I've picked up a document that's kind of just been declassified or is like almost in an appendix of a biography of an American president during the Cold War, you know. And I think the only, the only thing I would marginally improve is I'd probably have it in courier font. So it's literally like an actual handwritten typewriter for each of the territory yeah. names. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, 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 but actually, uh, because the font that I used, and I don't know by hand which it is, it's actually made in the 50s for this kind of map. Oh, so like okay. I said, the, the, the map that I used as a starting point is actually a font that has been developed during the 50s for map making. So uh, that's an interesting, uh, uh, I mean, feel free to, to give improvements on the maps. I'm always open for that. Uh, but there is actually a reason why I chose this one. So... Uh, Oh no no no! It's great, and like even just like uh, even the way you've approached the um, uh, longitude and latitudes and going up to the North Pole, it's it actually it's 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 a beautiful again another beautiful map. Sorry, you're talking to a guy who uh, I think during grade eleven and grade twelve it's at um at my school I may have kind of kept a particular um book that was available in our school library always on loan because i just love looking at these beautiful maps which were like uh, the progression of uh, various uh, geopolitical nation states let's use that word in air quotes from like about the pre-napoleonic period to like after world mm. war ii so seeing things like this is just it's just like it's like beautiful you know map Porn, you know, this is fantastic. <laughs> well, I'm very, I'm, I'm very happy it's appreciated because that's, like I said, I do not play dip myself, but I, I really, really, really think it's a beautiful game that needs love, and I love the community that's there. And I mean, the fact I'm, I'm explaining to my wife that I had an interview with a podcast for diplomacy, and she was like, "What?" But there's just such a live community and a game that was originally based on snail mail i think it's so well adjusted to uh the modern age that it's yeah i think it's amazing and it, as long as i can help with that i'm i'm happy so i'm happy i'm happy to get the positive news from you or the positive feedback but in the end i just want the community to grow so that's also if someone else wants to use these maps for any reason i'm fine with that so it's all contribution, right? Absolutely. Can, can I ask a question, Joran? The um, you, you mentioned you went back and you got the typeface from the 1950s, and you you went and looked at a map that was probably like over, or the map style from around the era when you were doing this Cold War um, map. Is that a is that a similar process that you go through when you're looking at the variants that you have developed? Um, yes. 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 Could you, so could the, you yeah, talk us through that? So, so actually, I might have some open here. Um, so I'm also... I, so can, that, I can bring them up too so we can all see them if you like, Joran. Yeah, but I'm actually trying to... I, I, I'm very much deleting them, so I, I'll share my screen. Um, okay. I'll just try to work out how to stop sharing. I guess if I click this... I just, I just overrule you, I think. Right now you can see my full <laughs> screen, right? <laughs> um, 
So you might have to cut this a little bit out of the interview, and this is completely not. Um, uh, it, I, I cleaned it up a while ago, but so here is a USA map, for example, this one. So this, you can see my screen, right? Yes. So what you're seeing is this. Uh, this is the bacon steel plate map of America. It comes uh, from uh, October. Yeah, what is it? It's from the Library of Congress here. Uh, I don't know, 28? But it's just beautiful, beautiful with all so these rivers that, in there. 1828 or 1928? I think it's, uh, I, don't, I, I, would, I don't even know. I just go it online and I try 1828 to find almost. <laughs> I, I think it could be. And it's, it's um, actually, we can actually, yeah, 1860 here. So it's 1928. But still, it's, it's, it's this kind of era kind of thinking. And then actually, let me see if I have it open here. Um, let's see if this is the one. No, this is an early version. This, this We need to cut this out. Uh, oh, yeah, I hope. I think it's probably... The, you can see how many different copies I make of this. Mm -hmm. So what I do is I go to Google Maps and I use the actual Google Maps to trace all the territories. Uh, and... Um, actually, this is... Oh, I'm not going to cut this out because this is really interesting to talk around the sure. way you actually design and develop up that map interface. So just walk us through it. That's... Tell us what yeah, you so, do. Yeah, so that's why it takes a, a long time because I want the maps to be... I, I learned that making them feel as realistic as possible uh, is a very, very, very nice. Uh, also with recognizing the, the maps as such because if you just start tracing a random map that someone made, it, it doesn't feel the same level of detail. So I actually just make a lot of different screen grabs from Google Maps of the actual area and i put them over each other and then i just start tracing and i found that like if you zoom out on google maps then it will um, make it not detailed enough so i make these zoomed in green screen grabs to get the right level of detail and like i said then i start, just start tracing uh which is why it takes such a long time uh to get that quality and then draw in the the different uh the different areas and then in the end i, I removed the Google Maps. I am a little bit worried <laughs> that I can't find the version that I'm. Well, yeah, here we are getting there. So you can see that. Uh, then I just remove the Google Maps from this, and you can see here that for this uh, uh, map from Unconstitutional, I'm actually trying to make this about the Native Americans, which I'm not as familiar with as I should be as a European. But you can see here Illiniwek. I I actually go and I Google them. What is this? And it turns out that it's a combination of five different tribes that were com combined into one federation. So I start looking at things. How can I add their um, their their name, their 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 history into this map? Because it's all based on a Western point of view. But if we're talking about unconstitutional, that was before the the sort of. West Westerners have dominated America yet, so I think there needs to be some uh, relevance to these different tribes. Uh, the same with uh, the Sengoku map. I, I try to look at the clans and look at how we can represent them. I'm very looking forward to a Three Kingdom map that Kohan has made for me, but I don't have time for this, uh, unfortunately. So it's 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 on the pause. But here you can see that with this East Florida part. You can see I've manually drawn in rivers. 
and you can already see how it feels and looks much more like that source map that I just showed by actually doing this. It just takes just this part. It takes like uh, an hour or something. So doing this for the whole map, man, it's just and it's just a aesthetic. So it's really a balance about speed versus. Uh, Aesthetics. So, 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 what do you, what do you get out of this, Euron, from the point of view of you know, <laughs> you know, spending twenty or forty hours on creating a map versus you know five, sorry, for twenty to forty hours creating a map versus like you know an hour that you said before, which is yeah. So, so if you look at the the map that I just showed, the original one um, yep. here, so the way. Uh, duplicity works. It gives you this. Um, now this is not the one. You might need to. I'm sorry for making it difficult for you to edit this. It's quite all right. Don't worry about it. <laughs> Our listeners know that we don't do much editing, so it's fine. <laughs> okay. So here, 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 you can see that this is this original uh, duplicity style. The way that all their old maps look, and it just looks terrible. But this one is is it's. Really, I'm so impressed. It's I Tom. I can't uh, see anything. Can oh. you, Kana? Um, uh, here. Now you should be. My, my apologies. Yes, now I can. Sorry, yes. Uh, so this one here, this style, this is the way that the original map also looked within uh, Duplicity. And I, I just can't get my head around it, but Tom, the guy who made the sort of server side from Duplicity, he made in Python this automatic map generator that you just very quickly draw it and it just extracts all the code into a working version of the map and I actually start with doing this so right now i could release this map uh like 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 super easily um it's playable but like i said it's the it's the entrance into another world right and this to exactly. me feels like i'm using some yeah it, it's it's it doesn't even look like a map. It's just it's it looks like the MS DOS version. Whereas <laughs> if you can actually make it into something that feels beautiful, you feel that you're uh, that you that you're really there. And it's it's a bit of a frustration with me when I look at the maps and the the uh, exposure that duplicity gets because uh, we have so, sort of I would say them competitors slash friends like other maps uh, or, or other diplomacy software that gets much better use and reviews and i can understand why because like just the amount of time required to make this beautiful we're a three-man team four-man team it's super super hard but in my view i make this for offline games where you have one screen with a beautiful map on them and then everyone has their phone and you can walk through the house and you can use the phone to place your orders and sort of discuss the the, the breakout maps and for that you need this map so it's it's really about just wanting to make something nice and it gets very meditative if i'm uh, if my wife wants to do something by herself and in the evening i put on some music and i just start clicking away it's a meditative process oh, yeah. but like i said it goes a bit with ups and downs so uh, <laughs> lately i've been yeah, family life has been keeping me away. My work has been picking up again. So then I noticed and I feel very guilty towards, for example, Cohen, who made this map, that I haven't finished it yet. But, uh, yeah, it's still, uh, still uh, I think, 10 hours away. Wow. No. It, sorry, you oh, go, Kenna. Sorry. Yeah, no, I absolutely hear what you're saying about it being a meditative process. Um, <laughs> I, when I've, I've, I've trans 
um, third maps from um, simple GIFs into uh, PNG format for um, V diplomacy uh, in the past, mm-hmm. and that 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 process of making it looking as nice as you can and just sort of moving pixels across and around it, it really is um, quite meditative in in its process. Um, I, I I just really wanted to ask you, Yoren, what what program are you using to sketch? Over yeah. Google, like you're, you're you're obviously taking screenshots and you're putting them together, um, but you're not using that. You're using a vector image process. Yes. So is that Illustrator that you're using, or no? It's Inkscape. It's Inkscape. Inkscape. So okay. yeah, so Inkscape is open source, and that's actually the thing because, like I said, I'm a UX designer, which means I sort of help corporates make software application and looking at the digital strategy, but. Um, there's this whole visual aspects that I don't really know. And actually this is a good opportunity for me to practice and learn that in a sort of safe environment. Um, so it's, I, I don't learn it for professional use, but I learn it to do, uh, to understand my colleagues, so to say. And I've got all the licenses and all the software on my work. But if I use my work laptop, it becomes a proprietary ownership by the company I work for. So I have to use this free software of, in this case, Inkscape, which is actually very interesting because it's very powerful software. It just has a little bit of a higher learning curve. A, a colleague of mine, he he swears by Inkscape, um, and he also thought he also thinks Rhino is is, is quite a good one. Um, I don't know if you. Okay. Right now, well, I'll, I'll, you can see that I'm actually look, browsing. That is because I'm talking to you, but I tr- wanted to try to get some of these beautiful maps that the competitors, or I won't, I call them competitors, but basically other map makers make. That looks so beautiful, but I can't find it. So I am listening to what you're saying, but I'm trying to find that that background. But you said it was Rhino. Uh, Rhino, I believe, was the, is, is the um, is, is, is the thing. But it might it might be an iOS. Um, one. Uh, yeah, th- so that's yeah, the that's, that's the issue. Is is, is is all my software uh, is iOS based, my professional software, and okay. I don't have a Mac for my private life, so to say. So. Okay. 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 Um, right. I, I sorry. I interrupted. I interrupted Amby. He had a he, he had a burning question just then. Sorry. I know that's quite that's quite. Uh, I find ironical, <laughs> you're in that that you're very iOS uh, orientated, but. Um, uh, obviously, Diplicity is, is an Android app. You did touch on before that there is work to actually move towards a iOS uh, app-based platform. Are, are you in a position for Diplicity? Are you in a position to to talk a little bit about that, or it's something that you just where others are working on? No. Well, <clears throat> so the way the Diplicity code, like on the front end, right? The back end, the it's all it's all safe and well done. But the front end is made by me and uh, Martin. And Martin is a back end developer. He's like this amazing guy who can do magic, but he's not very good at front end. So it's really it works, but it's not done using best practices. And um, it uses a framework called React. And there's a slightly different version of that called react native which means you can just port it to ios super easily it's it's like just uh, an export basically so we are in the process uh, although i mainly must say john is in the process of redoing the whole app in that react native framework but it just basically means completely rebuilding the app so that we can release it in 
uh, iOS. Timelines, I'm not going to give any because the whole mantra is we do it in our spare time for fun. So when it's done, but it is a big wish to make it into iOS as well uh, to make it crossplay because that's it's connect about connecting people, right? And there's nothing as frustrating when you say, hey, I'm on iOS, so I can't use it. So that's actually why the duplicity.com website is already up because it does allow you to play on iOS. You'll just need to use like emails to get notifications. Um, but technically, you can you can use it on your iPhone if you want to. This also does allow us to make some UX improvements, but once again, time and prioritization. But it, it's a big wish list because I think there's no good app that does that yet. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, um, the new app that came out, the what are called? Um, let me look it look it up. The Primacy. They released on iOS, and actually that was a big um, eye opener because you need to to work on iOS. You need to get a sort of Apple has really a stranglehold on that development community. So you need to pay like a license for 200 euros, I think, to just even be able to try to release something. And then they have all the stringent requirements that we thought we didn't comply with, like on device code running, etc. So uh, the fact that they actually released on iOS is uh, shows that it is possible. Uh, but it just means also a monetary investment in the app again. And we before didn't want to make that investment if we weren't 100% sure that it was going to be successful mm-hmm. because it's our personal money, right? We're investing like 100 or 200 euros uh, just to make that release. And we don't make this app for money. There's not even, a, well, there is a donate button, but like it has been used twice by some friends of ours testing it because it's so obscure Bitcoin thingy. Uh, and that's fine. We're not making it for money. But if you want to make an investment of 200 euros for people you don't know, you would rather make sure that it's a safe investment. It's funny that you, you say that uh, you're in. So like, um, uh, I, I don't know I don't know what it is, but like within the diplomacy community, there is this like so many wonderful creative people in different type of niches or niches doing different type of things. And I can tell you right right now, like nobody is, is retiring on this money or giving no. up their day jobs. Why do you why do you feel or what what's your thoughts on why the diplomacy community is like that within that creator element that, you know, we're actually prepared to spend a bit of time just to do these type of things, even though there's like zero monetary gain out of it really. Well, like I said, I, I, so I think there's, there's, there's just the copyright issue, right? And and I'll just address that head on is that, I mean, you technically can't copyright game mechanics, but you can copyright uh, the expression of those game mechanics. So technically Hasbro could be really, really uh, terrible to the community and say, hey, we, you know, we have the copyright, so you all need to, at least classical, needs to shut down. Um, they're not doing that, and I think that shows respect that they give because it actually helps the community, the, the game itself. It probably helps with their sales as well. It's still a relevant game today, um, but that sort of means that monetization is harder. So those kind of cowboys that say, I'm going to make something to make money from it. Yeah, if I want to make money, diplomacy is not the way. You know, The community is too small. Um, so then it attracts people who do it for the love of the game and of the and like I'm, I don't even like like I don't even play the game, but I love the fact that people are so 
enthusiastic about it. So I want to contribute. And then it gets this niche of people that are really, really, uh, yeah, just in love with the thing that we're making. I mean, you, both of you, you're investing so much time in making a podcast. Um, why? Well, because you, 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 the love for the for the niche community, I would guess. That, right. That, that that and we we tend to drink a lot, so it kind of <laughs> that helps. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, to be honest, I must say that that also helps. So during Corona, uh, I would. I won't say alcohol problem, but I would drink too much because before I wouldn't drink so much and then, you know, work, drink a glass of wine and then children to bed, one glass of wine and then start my mapping, drink a glass of wine and then another two. And then in the end, you've drank four or five glasses of wine, which is almost a bottle, but once every hour and a half or something. And then working on those maps, it really became this sort of meditative state of just working on it. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, so um, Corona I, helped. I wasn't sure if it was the same in the Netherlands during lockdown, but uh, here in Australia, when we had lockdown, yeah, you know, there was only under certain reasons you can go out of your home, and it was all for essential purposes, you know, like going to you know the doctor and getting food and getting alcohol. In Australia, that's an essential reason to leave your home. So, <laughs> um, yeah, but uh, like I said, I think that. Corona, in a way, really helped the community. It did. Because it I, did. I, I looked at the sideline, and a lot of people came back to it because that was it. Lends itself so well for it, for remote play, for being online and offline at the same time. And actually, for me, it was also there was nothing else that I could do: play some video games or work on these maps. So I also the front end. I think I spent four months, almost every evening, just working on this because there was nothing else to do. I mean. Yeah, so that 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 really helped mm-hmm. as well. So when you're spending like twenty or forty hours developing up a, a, a map, what what kind of attracts you to the next project? You know, what are the kind of core things that you're looking for for like that next map over the horizon that you want to kind of port across to duplicity? Identity, identity. So I want. So like I said, there's three maps I have in the pipeline now. Although pipeline might be next year, right? It's, uh, um, but uh, so constitutional because I just loved this. I saw these sort of American style uh, maps from the New Frontier, and actually, um, unconstitutional is um, uh, it's a uh, how do you say it? An alternative history map, and it's the first one because I think all other maps are actually uh, real history situations. Um, and it's it's interesting, but I, it's just the theme that attracts me. Then there's the Three Kingdoms map, which Kohan uh, made his um, variant for, but it had all these complicated rules of turning fleets into moving fortresses and the wall, etc. And that's very difficult to implement. So uh, I asked him to make a new version, which he did. And I, because I speak fluent Chinese, because I've been in China, I really want to make this Chinese map with this Chinese identity. And then there's South America, because South America is a well-played variant on other variant banks. But I haven't... Um, I I, I, I want to make it. And there also you have a little bit of that like uh, Cold War, like um, CIA uh, government uh, overthrowing periods that you had in the 50s from the uh, from the American, like USA history. And that also attracts me. So it's really about the, what what kind of identity niche are we in? And there are still like the like I said, the 1908 map. 
uh, it's the same as a 1914 map, just a little bit bigger. And mm. that doesn't attract me so much. I still want to do it once that we can have all of them in the new style. But yeah, that's that's not inspiring at all. No, that's cool. Um, I think the very, very first time that Kana and I actually caught up in the pub and talked around various Diplicity maps, he was playing at the time a Vietnam War game uh, from Diplicity, which obviously you created the map for. And this is, again, another example. I think visually it kind of feels like, you know, you've, you've picked up the CIA map of Southeast Asia and kind of reproduced it effectively. But you've, you've, you've kind of done this thing over and over again, and I've noticed it's quite clear as part of your um, your style uh, which obviously I assume is going to flow through that that three kingdoms thing where you you tend to also apart from a dish obviously providing in the um, uh, you know European whatever, whatever our normal font style that we tend to use in in Europe um, or and around the world you, you tend to also include you know the local language um, within each of those territories you know whether it's Tibet or uh, you know, an actual uh, a, a Japanese character in Songoku, uh, or, or you know something similar along the lines of um, you know the Thai or, or um, versions of you know the Thai provinces within Vietnam. Sorry, the the Vietnamese War one. Mm-hmm. Um, what what kind of made you think? Yeah, I'll, I want to kind of almost provide that 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 dual language viewpoint. I mean, is that is that part of immerse, immersion, as you said before, into the map? Well, it goes two ways. So one, yes, but it's also about the fact that, um, so so I'm I'm white European, and uh, white Europeans and white Americans, uh, in a way, have dictated sort of the view of the world. And I think we're in a crossroads here where we see other cultures come up. Uh, China being the example where I've I've lived, where we're going to move into a time period where we can't say anymore, this is the way we do and other cultures need to do it our way. So we're going to be in a situation where we as Europeans will need to understand different cultures uh, and understand that our, uh, our our cooperation with them is not going to be on our terms. And actually, when you look at all of, almost all of the duplicity maps, they usually focus on Western uh, oriented conflicts. So the Vietnam War, super important. There was a second Vietnam War between China and Vietnam that almost no one knows about. Uh, maybe the the duplicity history buffs do. <laughs> but I, I was actually going to say that's probably the third Vietnam War because the first yeah, one was exactly. against the French. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it, it, correct, correct. No, touche. But the same, the same with this unconstitutional map. The same. But why is there not a map of? Um, and even that would be uh, colonial. But about the Ashanti defeating the Brits, and it, it doesn't make for nice diplomacy games. But why are we just focusing on uh, different cultural uh, yeah, history? And, and I, think, I think, like you said, within this community, there's this history buff that has this openness. But by adding these local languages, ideally, I mean, it would not even contain English because it would be a, a different history from a different map. Now, obviously, that won't make it playable for 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 our community, um, but I think that it also goes a little bit into this this understanding that I want someone from China to pick up this map and feel that they're looking at their own history, right? And uh, I have my European roots, which means I have my European point of view, and I probably can't get past my interpretation of things but i do try 
So the fact that you've obviously got a dialogue going with, with David E. Cohen around um, both on unconstitutional and also three kingdoms, what do you what do you look for as part of that? I mean, is that is that something you tend to look for, like that that communication and, and working together as a bit of a team for future, you know, um, maps, or um, are you just as likely to pick up something from the variant bank and just go, hey, I want to give that a go because I like the idea? Uh, second one. So I love how Cohen is, is is really, I think, in a way, a leader in the map making. He's made so many maps, and and um, but like I said, the only thing I want is a final version because changing it this takes so much time oh, yeah. so i don't I, I, and even i'm not american so i started making this map and i started applying um sort of the using google maps to sort of make the territories based on my interpretation and i showed it to him and he was like dude this is not correct because i grew up here i you know i know these boundaries so like go back and do it again <laughs> and i was like okay but then you do it and then i'll i'll make them so he drew them in paint in probably like 10 minutes and i had to spend another 10 hours to to redraw the map but i i do appreciate that because his feeling is going to be my feeling and i remember an ancient mat that i also released released the map and then the 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 borders are going to be they don't exist anymore, right? So things like Mesopotamia and whatever. Uh, so I have to sort of guesstimate those boundaries based on current borders. And I quite often use current borders because they make this natural flow. And then we released it and then people came like, this is not where this territory is. This is completely incorrect. And it's like, ah, but yeah, there is a limit to my knowledge of the time periods and, and, and that that's hard. So in that sense, any input I can get from the original maker is, is good. And I think, Showing your maps as work in progress is always a good way to get this input from different sides. So I try, I tend to show like work in progress to get feedback on it before it's finished. Um, other than that, like I, I'll, I'll ask for input, but it, it's 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 made because I want to make it right. So it can mm -hmm. it could be uh, Cohen, it could be someone else. If there's an interesting map, uh, I'll I'll take a look at it. Let's just say that. Well, well, both both Kanner and I have kind of created many maps so and variants over the years. So you know, if you ever get a dull moment, and it sounds like you definitely do not have a dull moment where you've got nothing to do, um, you can always kind of knock on our doors. I'm sure we can suggest something that we've been involved in. Um, Thank you. <laughs> uh, so no, so, so there is this 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 this. Uh, I'm not sure if I'm actually allowed to say this, but I'll just do it. There's this diplomacy variant workshop Discord, which is sort of hidden, where there's a group of I would say more. Uh, there's there's a sort of high threshold for people to be able to join it. So it has 12 people now um, that are actually more serious about making variants. Uh, so it doesn't become this like everyone screaming about their variant. And that is a very good place that I ghost in looking because my interpretation is that there are a bit more advanced map makers who. Uh, look at like you know uh, playability, but also historical relevance, and that's also a very good spot to search for maps. I, I, you'll have to send me um, both of us the links to that because I'm sure we can both geek <laughs> out on that. Um, I, I think, and, and look, I'm sure Kana can jump in on this. I tend to be the type of person who tries to strike a balance between both a balanced gameplay and also historical accuracy. Uh, unless, of course, I'm inverting the historical accuracy, like you said before, with a um, an ahistorical type of map. So I've, I've for example, done similar um, uh, designs or, or, or variants which 
Actually, one of them was not very – actually, most of them aren't very balanced, which is a problem. But, you know, for example, what would happen if you kind of had a variant which was, you know, during the American Civil War, but you actually had Mm -hmm. the European countries involved in that war at the same time in the Americas? Um, And another one, which was obviously being Australian, uh, you know, what would happen if the – what was currently the Australian states never federated into a country called Australia and they became their own separate countries? So, um, yeah, look, we, we would be very inclined to geek out there, I'm sure. Um, but when it comes to creating variant maps, I mean, what's your, what's your actual recommendation to somebody out there who's listening to this and going, look, I really, really want to kind of, you know, make a map, make a variant. How would they do that within, within the, um, the duplicity community as an example? Yeah, so it's actually quite possible, but it's... it's um so making it digital, anyone can do it because we're open source, right? And we have a Discord where we help people out. But you do need, and that's what I said earlier about how I got involved with Martin, is that I approached Martin and said like, okay, hey, I think your app can be so much better if you do this and this and this. And Martin was like, yeah, that's right. Can you do it, please? And I was like, no, I don't. And later I uh, I was got to the level where I said, okay, I can do it. And he said, well, I'll help you. And I jumped in and later John said, you're, you're on, what did you do? This is like, you need to do it differently, but that's okay. Um, so there's, it's, it's an involved process. It needs, it needs time and some steps, but we have documented all the steps and actually we hover there and we'll always be helpful with trying to uh, figure out what's wrong. But the work needs to be done by the maker themselves. So, um, if someone wants to say, "I want to make a map for duplicity," uh, 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 join our Discord, uh, make yourself known, and we'll help you. And first, we'll set up the um, the, the the level generator, so to say, so you can make a map that actually works quite quickly. And then we could help you with making the steps and like showing process uh, progress as you go. I have seen. Some people try it and then fail halfway. So sort of get disinterested because, like I said, it's quite a uh, time-consuming effort. So they, they start working, we get the support, they're going, and then suddenly they disappear, which I think means they lo- lose interest. Because making a map and showing one in an app that's super easy, but making it workable, that is more involved and needs to be a level of determination. And it's kind of a level of... Uh, being able to grasp technology. So if 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 you to you if you don't know what an SVG is, it might be too difficult, so to say. So it, it sounds like it's it's not a it, it's not exactly a steep learning curve, but it's not an easy learning curve to kind of get into. No, it, well, there's 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 some steps involved. So when you made your first one, the second one is much easier, and that's what I'm saying is that. Right now, it's it's more of a manual process, but it's not difficult anymore for me. Yeah. Uh, and uh, Tom, who made the generators, he's, he's hovering there. I'm hovering there. But we're not going to go on your laptop or your PC, do it for you, right? And that's 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 a bit of a tricky thing. From, from, from my own personal perspective, the one thing I always found was I would tend to maybe get around to creating a variant about once every six to nine months. And the problem about that time time frame is because there is a bit of a learning curve for how to create a variant and create the map and encode it in the right type of way is I would leave it too long and I'd forget what to do and I'd have to start, to start all over everything. again. 
So I think the secret is is yes. to kind of maintain momentum so you don't forget it becomes, you know, easier to do. So that's just my own personal perspective on VDIP. Comple- Maybe it's a little bit easier. I think it's the same. I think it's the same. And actually, one of the things that I would love is to work on a desktop environment as well. So I think because I would love to see duplicity used a little bit more also in within the sort of like professional uh, um, between Mark's professional community. And it's not because I care, like uh, I, I say competitors, but there's a Dutch word called conculega, which means it's like a combination of competitor and colleague into the same. So we're colleagues who work on competitor things, but we're all help each other and try to wish each other the best. Um, but I mean, I, I've sunk so much time in, have this love for duplicity. And, and, and so, yeah. The, the bigger it grows, the the, the, the more it uh, grows itself, so to say. Excellent. Um, look, you're in, I'm totally out of questions. I think you've you've well and truly covered things off from my personal perspective. But um, Kana, what about you? Is there anything that we haven't touched on that you wanted to delve a little bit more into? Yeah. So if someone wanted to jump onto Discord and get into involved and all of that, how would they go about that? Uh, that's a good question. So for one, you can just go to duplicity.com and I can actually share my screen. I think that might be the easiest way. Uh, just go to duplicity.com, you open the site and there is the chat. And when you click on chat, it will open the uh, Discord community. So you need to make an account for Discord and then you can join it, but you'll immediately jump into the into the uh, community. I can also share the link to you. I'm not sure if you can attach it to the description. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, it's, it's it's for, our, for our listeners, so that they can. It's just duplicity.com, and then follow the um, follow the side the link menu to the, to the Discord server there. Yeah, open the side menu uh, where you'll see your settings and everything, and there's a community chat. <coughs> Click on chat, and you'll be there. Yeah. Um, this one's more of a technical question. <clears throat> when I've played around with um, SVG creating, you know, vector graphics type programs before, um, it, it's always been a bit of a confusion to me and something I've had to like re-look at is how to, um, how to change those um, directional arrow bits where to, to change the curve line. Um, it always takes a little bit of fiddling around with, but it, when you get it, it, it becomes kind of second nature. Um, but I'm, I'm on Andy's boat here is that um, the gaps between me mucking around with Illustrator or even the vector side stuff of Photoshop um, is just long enough for me to have to retrain myself each time I um, mm. I jump in and, and, and do any of that sort of graphical editing. Um, yeah, no. Um, but, but that's about it. I, I just really want to, to thank you for, you know, spending the time with us over the last hour and just talking about your um, your process and how you go about, um, well, from start to finish with making a map and, you know, your thoughts on the whole um, enterprise of map making as a cultural statement. I just really appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah, thank you for uh, having the conversation. I enjoyed it.
Okay, we're, we're back. We're not going to do a clink right first because we've, first off, hope you enjoyed the interview. We're going to talk about the interview in a moment, but we've just moved bars to exhibition. Yes, which is a new bar. Bar slash restaurant thing. Yep, it's been open five weeks now. And um, I had a look at the wine menu and it was good, but it wasn't the, uh, the cheapest wine in the world. Um, not that I'm, you know, it's got cheap taste, but anyway. It's um, not for... Not, not, not for getting drunk on. <laughs> not not, on, not on for two drunk Aussies <laughs> playing diplomacy, because you need to kind of keep some money in in the in the kit to, bag to, 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 to pay to, for all yeah, the the to, blimp flights. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. But um, the, we've actually we've both gone to beers, and this is a beer. Look, this this might actually be interesting for our American friends because we've actually ordered an American beer, Californian IPA, called Dreaming of Sunshine. Alcoholic volume. It's a, it's a pretty strong one. 6.9%. Um, I'm just trying to find the, the brewery is Range Brewery. Oh, yeah. In, um, I can't read that. Bride's oh, Bryce Street? I think I need to put the, the light on so I can read it a little bit better. Here we go. So it is, I oh, know it's from Australia. No, the, sorry. The Bryce Brewery is the Bryce is the people who that who um, imported it into Australia. Brewed and packed by Ranger Brewing on tribal land. What? In oh, the it's an Australian beer, but it must be like a California IPA style. Must be. Yep. There we go. There we are. Bunch of dickheads don't know anything. How unusual. But you were impressed with the glass show. Yes. I should take a photo of the glass. The glass is. Um, Awesome, because it looks just like a beer can as a glass. It's shaped as a beer can. I'll cool. just create a quick, quick photo of that one. Actually, might just get you in it. We'll just do this in the Twitter thing. Yeah. There we go. Happy days. So, um, a quick, quick, quick drink. Cheers. Cheers. Sounds good to clunk. Oh, that's that's nice. nice. I like that. All right. So it's actually quite rare that we're drinking the same drop. Yep. How would you class that as an opening? Ooh. Um, I really like that opening. Okay. It's like I've I've, I've done a. Um, oh, is it is it audacious enough and cheeky enough to say? Oh, you've, those beers, gentlemen. Good, thank you. Thank you. Spot. Yep. Perfect. Get that last little bit out of there. Cool. Thank you. Cheers, mate. Um. Yeah. So. This is like the type of beer. This this beer really appeals to me. You like this? Yeah. Not only does it taste great, it's got the alcoholic volume. It looks great. It's got great colour. This is, if I'm being audacious enough, as I said before, your France. You've picked up obviously um, Spain and Portugal. Yep. And this isn't even like picking up like a cheeky Munich. This is into London. This is London. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, all right. <laughs> what about you? Uh, not not quite as um, you're not as enthusiastic as not, me. Not as quite as enthusiastic <laughs> as that, but no, still it's still a good opening. Oh, um, I'm gonna look for this at Dan Murphy's. <laughs> it's great. <laughs> but people want to hear us talk about. Um, the oh yes, yeah, sorry, sorry, yeah. sorry, and sorry, John, for us for uh, rambling on about um, alcohol. So yeah, look, I I remember when John reached out to me, and I thought, oh look, this is this is interesting, but. 
because I'm not like a, a uh, like a big diplomacy app player, and because we're talking about maps, which I like maps, but I really wasn't quite sure how, as an interview, it would go. As we said at the start, it's a, a conversation about something visual in an audio format. Yes. And when we're doing the interview, I thought, this is really good, and I'm getting a lot out of it, and I hope the listeners are getting a lot out of it too. I, I really liked that discussion point where we, we spoke, where Joran Joran, Joran spoke about... Um, oh yeah, it was a, a Y sound, not yeah, a J sound. Oh, um, sorry about that. It's a common mistake, apparently. Um, spoke about what? his workflow, about how he would source, literal source material of maps from the era that he's looking at um, yep. replicating. Mm. Uh, finding the different fonts, looking at the different styles of the maps that were being represented, and then using the power of layering with, with, with the modern technology using, um, well, basically, uh, the, how would you say it, you know, well, using, using the SVG file structure mm. to draw over the top of those historical maps yep. to, to get that a look and feel that really does create a really lovely looking map. Um, so we got a we got a, a bit of a um, how do you say we got a bit of a like a sneak peek to an upcoming David E Cohen release. Yes, Duplicity, which is really appreciated. Um, but as, as part, I, I took snapshots of, of the screen as you were showing uh-huh, us okay. these things. I, That's I, good. I flicked them to you. Yep. Um, and they were, he was talking through things, wasn't he? He, he was talking us through those those steps, and it, it it always interests me getting an insight, any insight really, but getting an insight into the artistic process. Yep. Right. What 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 the what the creative process? What is the the steps that a person goes through from an uncreated thing to create that thing? And it's just, it's, it's, for me, that's quite interesting. Now, he talks about drawing, right? And in a sense, it is kind of like drawing, but it's drawing in a different way to what you, you, you and I have probably done yeah. in the past where we're using uh, PNG files or bitmap structures. Where you know, if you think about it, you zoom into those maps and you get you go down to the point where you're looking at pixel by pixel. Right, and changing, yeah, remember, changing yeah, pixels yeah. back and forth. Right, but this is this is very um, this is a very different type of drawing where um, it's essentially using a mathematical equation to make connections between um, points on a on a okay. on next y next y space, um, and then using grips to change the curvature of that connection between points. So a, a grip essentially so that It's like a little dot that you like, kind of pull somewhere, doesn't it? Yeah, so you got you got your point A and your point B yep. is going to be a straight line. That's yep. what the computer wants it to go. But then you've got these uh, two grips which come out. Which are like angles, aren't they? Yeah they're and angles. They, they like and pull and distort the line to the way you want it to be. Yeah, as you move a grip in one direction or the other, 
right? It'll change into form and distort that um, that line into to a different types of curves. Different types yeah. of curves, right? Um, which is all very well when you're going in one direction on a on, in, in that X Y space. Yep. Um, but when you're it makes it difficult when you're doing um, like peninsulas and uh, promontories and um, inlets and bays as well. Yep, you've yep. got that big curve, so you're actually putting a lot of individual points in and then doing alterations of that mathematical, you know, that trigonometric yep. formula to, to get that to get that feel that it does. So it takes a lot of time. What he was talking about, but the effects are really, you know, quite. Quite beautiful. Yeah. 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 Look, um, and you touched on this before around the using the historical aspects of the maps. I mean, the the conversation around the Cold War map, I think, was just fantastic. Um, you know, that map really kind of appeals to me because it literally feels like you've you've taken a, um, you know, you've you've just been in the CIA briefing room. Yep. You know, just you know, in the lead up to the Bay of Pigs invasion or something. Yep. And you've got the, uh, the like, what's that, what's that, there's that blue photocopy blueprints? Yeah, yeah. Blueprints, yeah. Um, but it, it does have that feel, the text has the feel, the, yeah, the, the, the concentric rings in that space. It's just a lovely yep. effect which pulls to life something um, from a period of time where you're not... Probably long ago enough now to have its own look and feel unique to that period of time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and, and, and you think, okay, well that's oh no, this is just me projecting. What does what does the modern era, what does twenty twenty like what was okay, let's say I think it looks like a Google map. Let's, let's go <laughs> Which was interesting that he talked about using Google, Google maps map. yeah, to kind yeah, of help yeah. do with that. That was incredible. And is that the next step forward in representing the historical moment in just visually cartography yeah, kind yeah. Of ways. maybe it is maybe it is that google map well i can imagine for example if you created a variant around you know a russian ukrainian conflict set in 2022 you'd probably use the google map as the basis of your diplomacy map yeah in which case what font would you use would you use calibri or tahoma like, what, uh, like what's, the, be google, what's at, the default google font they use yeah, yeah, good question. I don't know. You know, but you'd want to be using that. Um, you'd want to be using that uh, um, that font that's present on the Google Map because that's pretty ubiquitous across platforms, yep. really. Yep. Um, yeah, and that, that's only really been a massive change. I remember the first time I saw Google Maps. It sort of blew my mind. I remember the first time I saw. The Bureau of Meteorology's weather radar map oh, yeah. on a phone. I was like, "You're kidding me! That's that's literally what's happening right now with the weather." It blew my mind, and that yep, that, that, that wasn't too long ago. Not really. Like that's the 15 years, 10. Yeah, about that. So, rate of change, man. Anyway, that's that, that's where it's going. Um, but yeah, I mean, sourcing it, taking the screenshots and stitching it all together, drawing it over. I mean, using Inkscape's a smart way forward, you know, because that's an open source program. Yeah. Um, 
so that you're not running the risk of any licensing issues for using that software if you don't own that software. I thought that was pretty smart. Um, yeah, and actually, I think I think the other thing that came up from the interview, which I really appreciated, is the idea of maps as a cultural lens, right? So not only is is, is it a historical lens of, of an era, but then there's that you know that, that consideration that maps are a cultural um, artifact. Yeah, you know, that, 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 that is it is a Western, more often than not, that's a Western um, conception of the view of the world, and that's captured on a, on a cartographer's map. Yeah. Like even the Vietnam War map that they've got, it's like it feels like very much like a American map because right. the way it looks visually, and again, it just looks like the way that the fonts are used and everything. Even though it's actually got the the um, uh, terms also in the native language and the native you know script, yep. it still feels exactly like a Western view, but intentionally, you know what I mean? Yeah, like yeah, again. Yeah, yeah. Um, you're in Saigon and you're planning out what you're going to be doing in the middle of Laos or whatever. <laughs> yeah, that's right, that's right, that's right. And I, I mean, without going too much, um, you know, just talking off the top of my head, but it would be really cool, I think, to see some maps that are created using a different tradition of map making, map, map, map making, yep. right? I mean, I did a little bit, like, with the Mongolian variant. Yeah. I, I copped a lot of shit from the community about flipping the world map 90 way. degrees, yeah. right? So you're looking at it, you know, so, so India's facing off to the left as opposed to, you know, down on the map. I copped a lot of shit, like, why did you rotate the map, blah, 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 blah. But that was done to orientate the map to the centre of the universe at the time, which was Chinese. And and then their, their, their maps at that time were all facing that direction, that, that, that was up. Yeah, yeah. Um, so the West was up. So, you know, I, I think more of that could be done. I, I think that there's scope there to make some really interesting maps and, and to sort of looking for different territorial dynamics. I think you could, that there's, a, that there's potentially a, a big wealth of information there that could be tapped and drawn on. Um, that, that, that maybe we're missing as, a, as a, you know, as lovers of diplomacy. Yeah, potentially. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, that was my take on the interview. I thought it was yeah. Important. So look, I think hopefully the interview was. I reckon it. it or hopefully, I'm hoping I might be wrong. Had the right balance between people who've got a artistic technical bent would probably get a lot out of it, and those who don't necessarily would still get hopefully a fair amount out of it. Yeah, fingers crossed. Fingers yes. Crossed. So hopefully you just haven't fast forward after you know. 45 minutes and just jumped to this and went yeah 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 and don't forget jump onto duplicity.com um, yeah. to check out the work or to um, jump onto discord or download the app if you're um, an android app, of course yep um, yeah and, and checking out what's out there in the, in the discord world um, when it comes to maps and what people are working on is, is really cool yeah, yeah, yeah. It is very cool. Again, look, we've, we've said this a number of different times in different interviews, but 
The one thing I am always amazed at about the diplomacy community is the amount of creativity and altruistic giving back to the community where there really is no need to give to the community, you know what I mean? Like we already have so many potential, it's not like you can't in, you know, 2022, go and play diplomacy online. You can, you can you've got a plethora of options on how you could actually do that. And yes. I think what we've talked about, whether we're talking about, you know, the way that things are visually shown in duplicity, what we talked about earlier on around, you know, play at play.web diplomacy, the community continues to evolve and get better and just improve its overall offering. So I wouldn't say it's um, competition in air quotes, but there's a little bit of, well, you could say it's competition, but friendly it's friendly rivalry. Friendly rivalry. It's just, just like a diplomacy game. You're yeah. getting together, you know, you may not agree on Burgundy, but, or particularly Belgium, but. Um, but you know, you're there to play the game. You need to play the game. It's, it's the game that is the, uh, the draw card. Anyway, Yoren, thank, thank you, you for the interview. Cheers, mate. Cheers. Cheers. You know, I'm looking at these, sorry, I'm just digressing a little bit. I'm looking at these um, ceramic. Oh, yes, you'd be very interested cups. in that. Yeah, yeah, I'm not really. Looks like a, like a, which we talked about before around cultural aspects. That looks like almost like a tea set. Yeah, I'd say they're sake. Sake bowl things. Yeah, yeah, I really like that one at the end with the blue. Oh, that's very pretty. Yeah. I think Mrs. Kane is going to crack the shits if I don't take a photo of those. Oh, right. She really likes that. Yeah, 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 yeah. She does. Oh, good. Yeah, you maybe maybe just um, ask the bartender later if you can kind of get behind the bar to get a nice close-up, perhaps. No, this will do. Oh, is those ones you were talking about? I thought you were talking about those ones you liked. Oh, I am. Yeah, yeah. Okay. But I was able to get a photo of a lot. Okay. There we go, everyone. There's um, episode 110, and you've learned something new about Kana. Yeah. He and Mrs. Kana love their ceramic sake bowls. Ceramics, yeah. yep. Just ceramics, yes. The, uh, yeah, anyway. Anyway, anyway, anyway. I've got a bone to pick with your 1066 map. Anyway, oh, okay. Sure. I do. Far away. Why do all the supply centres have a standing army on them? I'm just thinking that one's through. Yep, they all do. They all do? Yep. I've totally ruined my game because I didn't realise there were standing armies. <laughs> <laughs> and each time I jump into this, I keep, I, 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 it happens again and again. Because it happens, you know, I jump in, oh, I'll play this one. And I forget that there's standing armies in it. And you, I, you should just be happy that I think the, the two supply centres in Scotland aren't mutually supportive. Aren't they? Oh, okay, good. I think they uh, are. Are they? No, they're... Oh, no. But, or are they? Anyway, I'm getting shafted in this game on play. So, so. Um, so, for listeners who, who aren't familiar, this is a, um, a variant that I co-developed with Ollie and um, Emmanuel... Um, over at VDIP. Uh, it's one of those, it's only a three player variant. It's set obviously in the year 1066. The three players are the Normans, the English, and the Norwegians. And um, I guess channeling our inner Joran, it was aimed to try to 
visually give a bit of a. Um, it's one of the things. It's one one of the things I tried to achieve in this map is make it look visually a little bit like that. So like, so I like you got the Bayou tapestry through on the top, and the colours um, for the different countries are also drawn from that tapestry. So they're oh, more that right, medieval yep. colours of yes. the reds and the blues and the greens and the yellows. Um, but you're right. There's um, uh, the, you're going back to your original question. Why are there standing armies? Yes. Well, why? because you know it, back then in 1066, it wasn't just a walk in the park straight into an occupied supply centre. I've always, and I've said this to you before. I, look, I, I love the game and I love the dynamics and the way things actually work in a normal classic board. I just don't understand why we don't have a classic, you know, variant where All standing neutrals. every neutrals has a standing army. <laughs> because that's, you know, go back to real World War One. How long did it take the Austrians to actually capture Serbia? Hmm. I think they got Belgrade, or maybe they got bits of... They, they never actually got all of Serbia at all. So, you know, I think it's it's unrealistic. Yeah. And that's what I tried to achieve here. You know, you've got to have a bit of a challenge. And also it's about providing some um, flexibility in gameplay because it also allowed, particularly around Flanders, but it also can work in other locations, the ability for, say, one country like the Norwegians to hold the neutral standing army so that the Nor Normans can't get through. Or the English can't get through, so it's a, it's actually a by default a defensive mechanism. While you're not losing supply centres, you're not gaining supply centres. You're preventing an enemy from getting one and then being able to build and come and get you, or improve their position against you. Oh, and the other thing, of course, listeners, if you're not familiar with this one, it's played on under fog of war conditions. Yeah. So you can't actually see, see what's, what's behind on. your enemy lines. Who's got what? Um. I just feel that England gets shafted. <laughs> you got shafted. <laughs> does, does England the ever win have invaded on this does, does England ever win? Does, does yeah. They do. Yeah, so I think... Obviously it's because I fucked up. But. I'd say at the moment, based on the statistics, and I'm sure you can go back and check, the player that wins the most on this is the Norwegians, followed by the English, followed by the Normans, which is the exact opposite of reality. Really? Pretty sure it is. I've played I've played as all three and won as all three. I've also played as all three and lost as all three. So there you go. You're playing version three, I take it. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, I'm just gonna pull up the statistics and have a look at that. Oh. It doesn't like it because Flash isn't supported anymore. Norwegians have soloed 79 times, Normans have soloed 45 times, and England has soloed 34 times. Okay, so I take it back. So, if you're aiming at historical accuracy, you need to tweak it so the Normans no. yeah. have a slightly better chance. Well, I would, I would actually, I would actually tweak it if a I had more time. And B, we're actually we're doing, you know, very actual updates. Yeah, 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 yeah. I know. And that was that's a problem because like, there's been three versions of this so far, all of which are available and playable. But I think every single time you try to 
to turn the dial a little way to kind of learn from what the experience of previous variants have been and where one country's got too powerful. And you're 100% correct. So basically you need to kind of do something different in a fourth version that improves the chances of the Normans and maybe slightly reduce a little bit and reduces the Norwegians a little bit. So really you need... And that was achieved one of the ways... Oh no, this isn't the first... This must be one of the first variants. What? No, yeah, no, no, no. Because look, in the in the version three, there's a central North Sea. I think. Uh, so I'm playing an old version. You're playing the first version. Yeah. So go back and have a look at the third version. Go to your variants. Oh, so I stuffed up again. So I played an old variant, old version of it. Well, there's nothing wrong with it. Uh, Just gives a different result. So by introducing like a central North Sea between the four quadrants of the North Sea, that was intended to slow down Norwegian expansion, to make it a little bit harder to kind of just move across because you'd get this centre area that would make gameplay a little bit more um, able for England to defend itself. That said, look, I'll say right now, nine times out of a ten, and it is literally nine times out of ten. Particularly if you, if it's, if it's a gunboat game, it's usually almost ten out of ten. Norwegians go, I'm going to attack England, and the Normans go, I'm going to attack England, and England just gets fucked. So you're hundred percent correct on that. In non-gunboat games, you do occasionally get a little bit more of the alliance building. And I've had situations where, you know, I've been the Normans and have actually then said, England, leave yourself, you know. Um, I don't have a bug to... Uh, actually, well, I want to play a game where I want to destroy Nor the Norwegians because the way this variant works, you know, obviously, as most variants, you need to get a, a majority of supply students to win. But it's also got the victory condition that you need to have at least two of the three capitals to win. And that capital doesn't necessarily have to be Winchester in England because this is when Winchester was the capital of England. It can also be, I think, Oslo in Norway. So I have played games where I've both been Norwegians and also Normans and um, won the game by never actually invading England. <laughs> Alright, so I was Which playing... Which is a total oh, no, flip okay, of the world. Okay, I was playing the original one, right? Okay. Um, but even version 3, English has won 103 times. Normans... Well, Norwegians have won 124 times. Yeah. And Normans have won 50 yeah, so that one there, so Norman, yeah, we need the, to kind of flip the Normans up a little bit. Flip the Normans a little. Yeah. So, okay. So you go have a word to uh, Toby or Ollie and you kind of get that, that um, variant thing working again and um, yeah. I'm happy to partner with you. We'll make this magic happen. Yeah, we're talking <laughs> For a split hyper, second, you kind of actually talking. thought about that and then you went, no, 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 no that's probably not going to happen. <laughs> um, but let's talk hypotheticals. Okay. What would you actually do... From a variant map developer point of from, view. From a, yeah, from a version 3, mm. what would you actually do to increase the Normans' what, win, win, win ratio? Like, what, 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 what territory? Would you give them an extra unit to start off with? Would you um, disadvantage the Norwegians a little bit? How would, you, how would you go about that? Okay, you're right. So, look, probably a couple of things. So, um, nor the Normans start with three supply centers and three units there are some neutrals around Normandy itself 
But as you pointed out, Kana, they've got um, neutrals, stand, stand armies. neutrals, yeah. stand armies. So um, in Brittany and Flanders. So one way around it would be, well, I don't know, whether you A, give a free kick and you make Brittany not like an army, but then it becomes a little bit... Maybe you kind of change some of the borders so it's easier for the Normans to maybe get Flanders. I don't know. Um, right. The other consideration, of course, is you just kind of create a brand new territory for them and give them four supply centres from the start. The Norwegians start with three supply centres as well. Yeah. But they actually start with four units. Um, much the same way you have with your Mongolian thing with Mongolian one of the Dyak. Yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah. they start with an extra unit. Which is in Hadrian's which is in Hadrian's Wall. Okay. So Hadrian's Wall is a supply centre which is oh, sorry, not supply centre, a territory which is because it's for those of you who used to watch the old and used to read the books about Game of Thrones, it's kind of like, you know, Obviously, the, out, the wall. The wall, yeah. But this is actually probably more more like your Game of Thrones wall than your um, uh, George R. R. Martin wall. Actually, no, it's the other way around. It's more George R. R. Martin and less reality. Right. Because with Hadrian's it's, wall, can't move it's a strip. Yeah, fleets can't move there. So whilst it's actually got, it's technically, looking at the map, it borders seas, fleets can't move there and fleets can't support moves there. And what that's obviously aimed to do is achieve a little bit of, you know, territorial army fighting in that space. And more often than not, you get a situation where, you know, the, um, um, that, that basically, the whole point about that unit there is it's really trying to recreate the, histor- the historicity of having the Normans, sorry, the Norwegians have landed, they're going to create problems, and they usually go down to the Dales and start kind of creating problems around that area. Anyway. Um, but so those two both start with three supply centres whilst England on this map starts with five supply centres so maybe the secret is give an extra supply give an extra supply centre to the Normans and an extra unit and see how that works out or maybe it's they have an extra unit like the Norwegians but it's maybe just off the I don't know. It's somewhere in the English Channel or one of the various bits of the English Channel to kick things off. So, an extra unit to... to Maybe start a, a, like a fleet in the Channel Islands or something. Extra unit to the Normans. But you don't want to just almost... Kill England straight away. Have to kill England. Like, set up Normandy to kill well, England. Yeah, that's what, that's what right. I was saying you before. Maybe Normans you need to make it chance. easier for the Normans to get towards um, Flanders or something. Is it is it actually about giving up more, like putting more creative tension to the conflict between Norway and England? Is it about maybe starting a fleet for England in the North Sea? Right? Yeah, but that's not historically accurate because you had the, the Vikings come across and, well, sorry, not the Vikings, the Nor- Norwegians come across with Norse, yeah. Harold, Harold, uh, Draga. Harold Rada, um, that's it. Grandson of Bluetooth of the iPhone. Yeah, but you want to, like, is there a way to create more tension there so that Norway and England fall into more competition, allowing the, the, the Norm, Normans a greater opportunity? So giving the Normans an extra unit, yes, but also making it in such a way as to England and Norway 
more likely to fall into competition as opposed to 100%. So, so what you probably need is some code there, which kind of automatically sends a message from, say, the English to the Norwegians that says, fuck you, Norway. <laughs> it just happens. Yeah, <laughs> Without yeah, you yeah. wanting it to. <laughs> I mean, you could have an English... Um, fleet in the Shetland Isles as an expeditionary force. No, no, but it's actually no. the other way around, realistically. It was actually more the Shetlands, the Norwegians were in. Um, I don't know. It's honestly, Kainer, it's a moot point because, again, again there's no yeah. current development going on in space. But that being said, you know, it'd be great if, you know, other sites picked up this, could be like Duplicity. Mm. They could run with it. I'd love to, I mean, you're going to do a fantastic fucking job on this map oh, yeah, would. but they would obviously need to look at the whole you know fog of war element does duplicity have that as an option i don't know good question even just having that in the classic game would be great over there yeah anyway so look i think um we've probably yarned enough around maps and around um you know new interfaces and stuff this is kind of like the the great new world of where diplomacy is going yes yes definitely. but we probably need to finish up our drinks finish and up. head off Move for a patreon episode a i've got a a special it's either going to you're also going to either laugh your head off or you're going to go that's this fucking stupid thing i want to talk to you about <laughs> okay. and i did post about this on twitter but i'll kind of um we'll we'll give we'll, we'll see how, how it goes All right, it'll okay, either okay. crash and burn or it'll fly like a... Fly like an eagle. Fly like an eagle. Alright, happy 4th of July, people. Oh, Cheers. the 4th of July? It is. Is it? Yes. Oh, really? Yeah. We should have gone to an American bar. <laughs> Next time. <laughs> I just realised it then. Dickheads, aren't we? <laughs> <laughs> um, thanks, everyone, for listening. I'm um, Kana. I'm Ambie. Remember, um, hey, you know, if you're listening to this on your iPhone, pop on uh, Apple Podcasts and give us a rating. Just... You know, five stars would be nice. You, <laughs> or just if you kind message. of, you know, want to leave a comment, say, love the drunk diplomacy Aussies, that would be good. Actually, if everyone did that, we would actually know who listens to the show and can actually be bothered to <laughs> spend like 30 thing. seconds to do it. Um, but other than that, um, hey, the other actually, last thing, last shout out to our friends listening to the show. Yeah. And we haven't mentioned this for like 50 episodes, maybe 40 episodes, a very long time. Um, if you go to the diplomacygames.com website, we still haven't got anyone that's put up their hand and said, we'll help you out with a little bit of WordPress stuff because we actually know WordPress. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, if you go to that at the moment and you click on play the latest episode, I've had to kind of rig it for it to go to, like, the big long list of all the episodes rather than actually go to what's physically coded in the page, which is where the new episode should be. So, um... Either A, if you know something about WordPress and can help us out how to fix that, or B, if you actually know something about WordPress and can help us move to maybe a new you know, template, that would be good. Um, we'd love to be in touch with you. Um, we, don't, we, we, we don't make any money out of this show, <laughs> even though we are Patreon supporters support us, but everything pretty much goes sure. into yeah, all of our costs. So um, anyway, thank you very much. Um, you can do that. Just go to, um, I don't know, diplomacygames.com, click the contact button. And if you worked out how to do that, you're definitely able to probably work out how to get around WordPress. All right. See you then. Bye-bye. Bye.